Well, friends, um, you might remember, I think it was probably just before, whoops, just before um, Christmas that Pastor Dave preached a message wearing his computer glasses. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, And those glasses, he said, were to remind him and to remind us that everything that we're doing right now, we're um, trying to look at it through the lens of revival. And so um, I wear glasses, too, and they rotate between my nose and the top of my head. And um, anyway, let my glasses remind you to just be a visual reminder that we are um, doing all things because we long to see the church revived, refreshed, renewed so that we can be effective to bring God's good news to the world. And so um, we're praying for revival. We're praying for, are you remembering to pray for those five people on your list every day? Um, Or as often as you can, remember to pray for those people that are in your life that don't yet know the hope of Jesus. On February 5th, I'm just doing a little bit of a recap for those that haven't been here for a bit, but um, we focused on praying for the peace and the shalom of our city. And in that, we um, looked at our lives being a witness by living ordered lives and wholly devoted lives to the Lord. And as we prayed for the city, we focused on praying for specifically the children, the youth, and the young adults of our church and our city. Then the next week, the Lord unexpectedly led us in a very lengthy time of prayer within our um, worship service where we prayed for Jesus' name to be made famous. And we prayed, again, for um, not only our city and our nation and the nations of the world, but we prayed for um, our schools and we prayed for our our, um, universities and colleges. And then last week, Pastor Dave um, preached from the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You remember that? We watched the little movie clip to help us understand how those disciples might have felt being asked to do something just so seemingly impossible. And yet, um, as they were willing to follow the direction of the Lord, um, they did the impossible. And we really need to be humble as we seek to follow the Lord's direction because he's called us to somehow be a part of a revival that he wants to bring that is going to sweep the world. And so, um, again, it probably seems just as impossible. I mean, as we look at our, our little motley crew here and what the Lord and these words of what the Lord wants to do, and yet will we be willing just like the disciples were supposed to feed them with the little loaves and the fish, whatever he gives, puts in our hand, will we do whatever he says? Um, because he can do the impossible. Amen? All right. Well, today we're going to focus on praying for the nations. And we're going to look at several passages of Scripture that I will read as we get to them. But if you want to turn to them now, one is in Matthew 24. And then the other is in Revelation 7. So if you find those spots, you can put your fingers in them. And um, I'd like to pray a prayer from Isaiah 56 before I start. And so, Lord, your word says that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And, Lord, we ask that you would stir our hearts 
to be obedient to your will. Lord, form and shape us by your word and your Holy Spirit so that we would pray for the nations in accordance to your heart. Lord, because you love these nations and you came to save them. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, the reason I wear glasses is because I am um, nearsighted, myopic. And I want to say that means I can um, see things sometimes close to me, but I can't see a distance. Like if I put it down here, I can't see your faces. I just kind of see the color of your images out there, what you're wearing. So anyway, we can tend to be kind of nearsighted. And um, one of the ways that I thought about this is um, when I think about the Olympics. When I think about the Olympics and the whole world, the nations are gathering in an arena and they start to come in. And um, when the American team comes in, the Americans are cheering. And when the Chinese come in, the Chinese are cheering. And when the Russians come in, the Russians are cheering. And same with Cambodia and Indonesia and um, Nigeria and um, the nations of the world, Canada, let's not forget Canada and Mexico, um, and every nation, they're cheering for their team. And I think, what does it, what is it like for God to watch the Olympics? When he looks at an event like that, I wonder if his heart just longs for the time when everybody's not there to compete with each other, but when they're there in unity around his throne and doing the thing that we're all made to do, which is to love and worship him and glorify him. And so that parade of nations, I think, can be um, a way to think about, are we in alignment with God's vision or are we really nearsighted? And so I'd like us to start um, with the end vision in mind of every nation around the throne. So Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 12 says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Representatives from every nation, tribe, people, and language, they're all gathered around the throne worshiping God. And those words, every nation, tribe, people, and language, They're mentioned exactly that way four times in the book of Revelation. The gospel is for every nation. It's for all 195 of them that we have currently in the world, plus every nation through history. 
every ethnicity, every race, every language. Every nation is celebrating the salvation and they're crying out about Jesus and his salvation. The spotless lamb on the throne who laid down his very life to take away their sins. They're worshiping him, the risen king, Jesus, surrounded by this diverse group of people from every nation. This has been God's vision since the start of his plan in redemption. And I want you to think back to Genesis 22 when God was speaking to Abraham and it was after that incident where um, God provided the substitute ram. Do you remember that? And this is what God said to Abraham. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashores. Your descendants will take possession of all the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth. Can you say all nations? All nations nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Every nation has been on God's heart since the beginning of the story of redemption. Right? He plans to bless the nations. And how are they going to be blessed by God? Well, he gives us the gospel to proclaim. Let's look back. I told you we were going to be in Matthew 24. I'm going to pull out just verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Can you say all nations? And then the end will come. So Jesus, in this passage of scripture in Matthew 24, he's trying to prepare his followers for what it's going to be like and what would need to happen before Jesus' final return to earth. And if we would have read the whole thing, we would recognize in Matthew 24 that he describes scenarios that are going to happen in the world before he comes back, before Jesus. There's going to be wars. Can we think of Ukraine and Russia? There's going to be rumors of wars. I read that the Secretary General, who was briefing the United Nations General Assembly about the priorities of 2023 on February 6th, said this, The prospects for peace keep diminishing. The chances of further escalation and bloodshed keep growing. He said, I fear the world is not sleepwalking into a wider war. I fear it is doing so with its eyes wide open. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes will happen before Jesus returns. Turkey and Syria, our hearts have gone out to the people who have been, um, had so many people die in those earthquakes. The last count yesterday, the best I could find was 50,132 people have lost their lives in the earthquakes. That number could fill up the Van Andel Arena four times at capacity, every seat taken. This church, the capacity, we've got 150 of these chairs. That would mean that it could fill up this church at capacity over 334 times. These people died 
And all I can think about is, did they know Jesus? Did they know Jesus? Now, Jesus tells us, when you see these signs, don't fear. These are like birth pangs before I come back. Well, when birth pangs start happening, it calls you to attention. (laughs) All right? These things we see in the world should just call us to attention. And just like any expectant couple would be saying, okay, what do we need to do now? Uh, Grab the bag, call the office, you know, go to the hospital, whatever. What do we need to do now as we see these birth pangs in the world? And Jesus made it clear. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so our mandate is pretty simple. Proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And so I wanted to ask, um, have you picked up one of these little visual gospel stickers that are on the back table? If you haven't, I invite you to pick one up. And um, it's a great way to be ready to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom in just some little visual symbols. I'm going to also ask that you put that up on our slide because I, I want to just remind us, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, and it's the king. And if we start from the left, here's the king's crown. The king is the creator of heaven and earth. He creates a creation that's absolutely wonderful, and it's in complete peace and harmony. And then that little splat with a dot represents sin. And when the people that he created disobeyed him, that's what caused the separation from humanity from God. And it also invited all the chaos and the brokenness and the dysfunction that followed sin. So they're living in sin. They're living in brokenness outside of the um, Eden where God created them. But God so loved the world that he starts to speak to them about this plan of redemption, even as he called Abraham. He starts to send the prophets with a message. And so that, that um, star there is the prophecies about a Messiah who would come the one who would come and save them from their sins. And so this promised one that was coming was spoken of through the prophets, and then we see that cross right there in the center. Who was that Messiah? It was Jesus Christ. He came, and because he so loved the world, he laid down his life as a payment for our sins, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, this is the good news, this is the peak, this is the pinnacle of the gospel story, but it doesn't end there. Jesus lays down his life, he dies as a payment for his sins, he's raised from the dead, and he ascends into heaven where he sits on the throne, and he and the Father send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out so that we can be witnesses. He says, wait until you've received power from on high. And so he wants to equip his church, and he says, you won't be like orphans. I'll come to you. And so the Holy Spirit comes, and he equips us, he gifts us, he strengthens us. He helps us to remember that he's with us always to the very end of the age. And then you see, after the dove, which is representing the Holy Spirit being poured out, then you see this little new life 
And this is to remind us that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And those new creations, this new life, is intended that we go and make disciples who would then go and make disciples. There's church planting. There's new life being raised up to all nations. And when the time is right, we see that very last symbol, which represents the king return when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead. And this is something that for every believer we so long for, because when he returns, he's going to usher in his new creation. But for those who have remained stubborn and resisted the offer of new life in trusting Jesus, it's incredibly sad, but they're going to be banished to an eternity of torture and fire apart from God. And we believe this with comfort, humbly, but with hope, because that's the only way that everything that is evil and dysfunctional and harmful and hurtful is going to be removed from the new creation so that shalom can once peace Goodness, everything good in its place, nothing broken, nothing missing will be in that new creation. Friends, this is the gospel that is to be preached or proclaimed. All Christians, are you ready? Could you look at those little images and just tell that short story? Tell that story that can save lives, not just for now, but eternity. This is what he invites us and tells us, that we're to speak of our faith. It isn't just those that are behind a music stand or a pulpit or have some ordination or something like that. It's for each one of us. Each one of us has that good news to share and to proclaim. And are we ready? I want to tell you that sometimes I'm so busy that I don't pay attention Um, But if I slow down, I loved, um, I read a blogger who said it was um, attentive distractibility. But when you're moving at a slower pace, you can notice what God's doing and let him distract you from whatever it was you were getting ready to do. Because he's got a plan. When I was down in Florida, which it's not a different nation, but it kind of is a different place. Weather-wise, at least, right? Um, But when I was there in November, I had this space, and I was praying, Lord, even here in this um, kind of retirement community, would you, if you wanted to use me, would you just use me? And I had bought this wooden bowl for my husband from this man who did crafts. They had a craft sale there in the little park. And anyway, he came to deliver it to me. And as he was talking to me, I kept thinking, He told me he was in his mid-80s. And I kept thinking, does he know Jesus? I wonder if he knows Jesus. So he's talking to me about wood and woodworking and all this. And in my mind, I'm just going, does he know Jesus? Lord, how could I have a conversation about this? So he's getting ready to leave. And um, I just felt like the Lord say, say, God bless you. So instead of saying goodbye or thank you, I said, God bless you. And he looked at me and kind of stood up straighter, and he goes, well, God bless you. And I said, oh, are you a man of faith? Do you have beliefs, spiritual beliefs? And anyway, and so that started the conversation. And then he starts to tell me that he um, had read the whole Quran. 
he's, he's Catholic, and he had read the whole Quran, and he had been calling the mosque because he wanted to ask questions about the Quran. And in the conversation, it ended up being, like I'm saying, Lord, <laughs> this wasn't the conversation I was expecting. And anyway, um, but I was able to say, what is it that concerns you? And he says, well, I'm really concerned that the Muslims are going to hurt our nation. And so I want to talk to them about what their teachings teach. And I um, said, well, have you read the Bible? Do you know what the Bible teaches? And he said, well, not really, not too much. And I'm thinking, you've read that, but you've not read the Bible, you know. But so I thought, I better just test on assurance of salvation. Does he really understand that it's not by works? Does he understand that it was just Jesus paying the price and that his sins are forgiven and that's his assurance into heaven? I was so thankful. He did have assurance of salvation. And so I just felt like I redirected him to say, I really want to encourage you to not keep calling them, but I want you to pray for them and I want you to read your Bible. I think you'll find a lot of peace and I think you won't be as afraid in this life if you'll just read your Bible. All right. Why am I telling you that? Because each one of us should be ready at any time, on any day, to have a conversation with somebody. Because we're to share in the whole world as a testimony this gospel to all nations. There's not one square inch of our earth that doesn't need to hear the good news of God. That he's king in every nation, every culture, every ethnicity, every race, every language are a people who are dying until they hear the good news and accept the good news that can save them. And so we're on a mission to all nations, and this can happen in many ways. It might be, we often think, I think in our American culture, we've thought, oh, we're the missionaries that go. Um, Actually, countries are sending missionaries to the United States. Thank you very much. We need all the help we can get. But um, the Lord has brought the nations into this country because actually, unless you're a Native American, we're all immigrants. And so the Lord has brought the nations in many ways right down the street from me, right around our church. And so we can, we can proclaim this testimony, which means giving the witness, giving the evidence of a living Lord. And that's why we practice giving testimonies here is so that we're more comfortable talking about God and what he's doing so that when we're in our everyday lives, wherever it is the rest of the week, we're ready to share. Now, I want to say that every Christian is going to be need to be strengthened in the good news of the gospel. We need to be strengthened, and I want to go back to Revelation 7 again for a minute. It says, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. Why am I going back to that and saying we need to be strengthened? Well, those people from every nation, they had come out of the Great Tribulation, it says in 714, a very difficult deeply trying time, a time of great hostility before Jesus returns is going to impact every nation, tribe, and language. 
their heart language before they came into the throne room was tears. I'm just sure of it. Every nation may have martyrs. Do you know what a martyr is? Somebody that dies for their faith. Every nation may have martyrs before Jesus returned. It's not just for those restricted nations or those hostile nations in other countries. But there are, there are representatives from every nation that have gone through a great tribulation, a great difficult time. Now God's going to give them victory. And he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. But they will have seen bitter days faced great hatred, and they will have cried gutterly, like from their gut. But they're going to be utterly victorious in Jesus. And I want to tell you two brief stories as I think about us praying for the nations. One comes from um, the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, and um, that tells the stories of people in different areas of the world that are facing religious persecution. And this particular story that caught my attention was from the Democrat Republic of Congo on the continent of Africa, and they're asking the global body of Christ to pray for them because they are in a time of deep tribulation. 91% of the Congolese are Christians, but yet there's about 100 active armed troops that are in their nation, they're motivated by tribal or ethnic or political concerns. And some of them, one of them in particular is called the Allied Democratic Forces, and they've targeted Christians. They're trying to make it an Islam caliphate. And so there were 54 churches in that particular area. There's only 11 left. They've been destroyed, burned down. And when they confront, when these armed troops confront the Christians, they say, if you want the killings to stop, then convert to Islam and renounce Christianity. The Christians there have remained faithful and prayerful. And when these um, workers from Voices of the Martyrs came into that region, which they had to helicopter in in a very, very careful environment and drop in for just a couple hours, what do you think they asked for? They didn't ask for guns. They didn't ask for people to come and protect them. They said, when you go back home, please don't forget to pray for us. That's what they asked for. Will we be those that would pray for them? The second story is a story that several of us just recently watched. It was a YouTube video called Sheep Among Wolves Part 2. Maybe you've heard of what's going on in Iran. I had heard a little bit of it a couple of years ago, but I watched this video, and here's just a little bit of a description. Iran, the nations know Iran is working on a nuclear program. We're concerned about how aggressive they are and what this might mean for the international community. But did you know that there's something good that's happening in Iran, and it's underground And it's quiet, but Muslim background Iranians are leading a quiet but a mass exodus out of Islam, and they're bowing their knees to the Messiah, Jesus. And they're having, their hearts are saying, Jesus was a Jew, and so their hearts are having fondness and love and concern for Jews. 
Now, this is happening underground. This is not happening where the, the, um, their government is not supporting this movement. But this is what's happening. And the Iranian people, it's an awakening and it's a discipleship movement. And so as they're encountering the truth of the gospel and placing their faith in Jesus, what they're teaching their disciples is whatever you read in the Bible, do it. And do it right away. And so what they have is no property, no buildings, no budget, no 5013C status. And the movement is being predominantly led by women. But their story is remarkable and encouraging. They're one of the fastest growing church networks in the world right now. And it's happening where the government absolutely opposes them. When these Christians leave their home, they know that if they're caught, they're likely going to be tortured. If they're a woman, they're going to be raped and they're going to be killed. And they love Jesus and they love other people so much that they're obeying what Jesus said and they're sharing the gospel. So I shared gospel in Florida with no threat of being raped, tortured, or killed for doing so. They're doing it every day. Their lives at stake. But you know what? They're so motivated by this picture of shalom and the new creation and all people being able to live in harmony and love. Isn't that what we long for? And they're motivated. And it's a wake-up call, I think, to us, church, that the Lord wants us. We need a move of the Spirit, just like what's happening in Iran right now. We need a move of the Spirit at this time so that we would live in radical obedience to the gospel and strengthen ourselves for the days ahead because following the birth pangs, a time of intense persecution for the church will come before Jesus returns. This is serious and this is hopeful. And when we're strengthened in knowing God and remembering what Jesus did for us, then we will commit ourselves to being a house of prayer for all nations. I read the story of a president of a a, um, college who only, he was told he had about half an hour to live. And he said, then put me on my knees and let me pray for the salvation of the world. And that man died on his knees. And I think, where are my priorities? Lord, align my priorities with yours. Another author said that we're saved to pray. And our major praying should not be for ourselves, Okay, going back to myopic, nearsighted, just praying for me and my little family and my interests. But actually, we're praying for, we're saved to be praying for every believer to have an effective prayer ministry for the church, for revival, for evangelism, for reaching the world with Christ. And so, as we spent time a few weeks ago, where the Lord led us in this worship service that was It ended up being prayer, prayer for the nations. Some of you afterwards, like that was that was a long time of fervent, fervent prayer. And several of you mentioned afterwards leaving here that you had such joy. And even though we were praying about serious things, you felt like such a sense of excitement and expectation about how God was going to use our prayers. Another one of you said, I felt we were so unified in the body like God was binding us together with one mind and one heart. 
I left with joy and excitement to be part of God's kingdom and have a role on what he wants to do on earth. Some of you said it was so meaningful to pray in agreement for the nations. And then another one of you talked to us, and then we asked you to send us a note. But you said when we were praying that you heard what seemed like the Lord's voice so strongly in your mind saying, this is a church for the nations. And you saw a picture in your mind beautiful colored flags of the nations around the outside of the building. You said it was beautiful what you saw. Several of you just sensed God's pleasure. You wrote us a little note or sent us a note afterwards saying, I just sensed God's pleasure as we prayed together. And so we're to be a house of prayer for the nations. And that could happen in a couple of ways. One way is that We here pray for the nations. Or another way it could happen is the nations come here to pray. Or maybe it's both. But we want to be open to however the Lord would use us as a house of prayer for the nations. Because we want to see that end picture that we see in Revelation of each of us from every tribe, tongue, nation, all around the throne room, worshiping Jesus together. So I've got a couple of prayer points, if we can put that slide up. And I thought today, I wasn't sure, but I thought maybe we could spend a few minutes um, praying. And I wondered, would you, Pastor Jalisa, do you think it would be a good idea to do it all together, or do you think in little prayer circles? What do you think would be better today? In little prayer circles. So just turn around with some people around you. And um, if you're visiting and you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, you can just listen. You don't have to pray out loud. But I want us to pray about these things that are up on the screen. That there, in every nation there would be a faithful proclamation of the gospel. And that Christians would be strengthened in every nation. We need to be strengthened here in America In Iran, they need to be strengthened. In the Democrat of the Congo, they need to be strengthened. In China, they need to be strengthened. There are Russian Christians that need to be strengthened right now. All right? And so praying for Christians in every nation. And then if there's time, maybe you could ask the Lord, Lord, how would you grow us? And if you've got ideas that come to mind, we would welcome hearing those after the service or in an email later this week. But let's turn now and um, just find a few people around you. And spend a few minutes praying about these prayer points.